Today's daf is daf Tay. We are holding at the bottom of Ein Tes Amud Beis. So, we're continuing to discuss the concept of Nixem Mulug. Again, just a refresher. Nixem Mulug are assets which are not actually written into the Ksuva, but as uh, part of the benefits that the husband was, was awarded through marriage is that he has the right to maintain the woman's assets uh, and he can get the, the derivative, he's the be- benefit of the derivatives, he gets what's used to fructory rights, the payrolls, he gets the rights. So we're going to be discussing right now the uh, following halach. Let's take it the classic scenario where she brings in a field. So in order to maintain a field, you have to make investments. You have to fertilize it, you have, got to, you have to, uh, invest in the field in order for the field to be productive. So let's say that the husband does invest in this field and then the marriage terminates. So what happens right now is that he is claiming that my investiture, my, what I invested into this field far surpasses any of the benefits that I received from this, or let's go the other way around, is that, that he only put in a, a small amount of investment, and she's claiming that you benefit way, way above the amount of investment. doesn't make a difference, right? That's the question is going to be. And the Gemara is going to say, basically, as long as he started benefiting from the field, then, then at the, when the marriage terminates, he has no claim on what he invested. But invested really makes no difference at that point. The only time it will make a difference, if he did not uh, exercise his right to benefit from the field, means he did not benefit from the field. If he did not benefit from the field, we do allow him to make a claim of how much he invested. And we'll see. Let's read the Mishnah inside. Hamotzi hotzos al nixta isha, a person who makes expenditures on the assets that belong to his wife, Hotzi Harbe, if he made great expenditures for Achel Kima, but he actually only benefited very little. Kima, he made small expenditures for Achel Harbe, and he consumed a great amount. Masha Hotzi Hotzi, Masha Achel Achel. What he has spent, he has spent, and what he has consumed, he has consumed. There are no claims to be made any further. So the marriage terminates, either he's alive if he divorced her, the Yarshim are claiming there's no claims whatsoever, it's a done deal. Basically, that is the, that is the situation that the rabbi set up, which is very smart, because that ensures that he's going to want to take care of the properties, because he wants to benefit from the properties. So it really ma- helps maintain the wife's properties, but it's a chance, because in order to maintain... You've got to invest. And that's, that's, that's the decision. If you start benefiting from it, then you cannot claim, I spent a lot more than I benefited. That's the bottom line. However, if the person did consume, I'm sorry, did spend, did invest, and did not benefit, did not consume the payrolls from the Nixamalug, so then, Yeshava Kama Hotzi Yitol. He has a right to swear. Makes an oath in based in how much, he exp- what the expenditure was, and then he will go and he's able to collect. Now, the, uh, the value of the expenditure. Now, one halacha that has to be brought into, uh, into, into play over here, there is a, I always found this halacha very difficult to understand. But the halacha is as follows. Let's say somebody, does not ask permission, and just walks into your field and starts working the field. Okay? 
So the din is like this. If somebody is, what? It's called unjust enrichment. Right. So we'll see. So somebody who, you, if, if somebody, you hire a person to work the field, there is the din of an aris. They used to have, uh, it's a third, a, a, a half. There are certain revenue sharing uh, situations, what they, what they, the person has, uh, obviously, you're hiring the guy, he, he's, he, he's, exp- uh, he has, he has a right to share the profit with you, whatever the accepted norm of the, but here you never ask the guy to come in, right? If you never ask the guy to come in. So in such a case, you, you have to pay him. Hayored, but the din is, that's halacha, you need to pay the fellow, however, you only have to pay him, up to the value of the expenditures. You only have to pay him up to the value of the expenditures. Means you don't, meaning that, that, uh, what, and, and it, it's really whichever is the lesser of the two. Meaning that if he is, if he has helped you a value, uh, 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 if, uh, raise the value of the land, so then you pay, and you have to pay him to, up to his expenditures. If, in fact, that what he invested in it is, is, uh, is, is, is less, I mean, is, is more than the value that the land went up, then you only have to pay him up to his expenses. But you do have a responsibility to pay the person up to their expense, uh, up to the expenses. So, uh, the interesting thing, and Rishon him deal with it, is that this guy can make a shvur if he never used it up to the value of his expenses, which means we're dealing with him like a yoret shalober shus. Okay, why? I'm not, we're not getting into detail, but that's what happens. But once he starts benefiting from the land, then it's no din of a yorit b'rshush, l'b'rshush. Then all bets are off, because that's part of the agreement of the nechzei muluk. Let's read this inside. It'll all become clear. Let's just, just go through it. Says the more like this. The kama kimo. Says the more like this. The Mishnah said that even if he benefits a small amount, at that point he no longer can lay claims to his, expense, his expenses. How much is a small amount? So says the Gemara, Amrabasi Afilu Grogeres Achas. Even one dried fig. One dried fig uh, is considered to be a sufficient benefit that the laws of the Nichsemalug kick in. Says the Gemara, but Hushaakla Derech covered. However, it has to be eaten in a dignified way. It means it has to be like part of a meal. The guy's walking past a tree and grabs and takes a bite out of it, that's not considered to be a benefit of the Nixemalug to the point and, and that, that he forfeits that he put in he put in ten thousand dollars worth of expenditures. He took a bite out of the fig walking down. But if you have a course and you bring a dessert, whatever it is, that already already kicks in the Alocha. That is the opinion of Rav Asi. Amar uh, Rebbe Abba. So Rabbi Abba said that Amri Bey Rabba, the yeshiva of Rav, they said, Afilu Shigra de Samre. Even uh, one uh, pressed uh, date. One pressed date is also considered to be enough that uh, that he can no longer claim his hotzos. Boy Rabibi, Rabibi, they asked the Shiloh, Chuvtze de Tamri, my. Chuvtze de Tamri, Rashi brings down in one shot, is that after they, the, it's, it's, the, it's the pulp, after they make the beer in those days, used to be made from dates. So the pulp that, uh, that was left, the paste that was left after they crushed the date to make the beer, let's say the, the husband part, partook in that, 
Is that enough to say that he's now benefited from the uh, the the Nixay Malug, the payers of the Nixay Malug, and he no longer can claim Hotzos? That was the Shiloh. So Gemara says, Teku, that also remains unresolved. I guess it also has to be talking about that it was brought like a dessert or something as part of the meal, because we said if it was done... Right. On the fly, then there's no, uh, you, that's not, a, it's not in giving up his rights to claim the Nixon look. Now, well, let's, let's wait, 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 wait. Lach lederach kavod, just wait, wait. So, lach lederach let's say we said, because we said that if he eats a small amount in an undignified manner, so in such a case, it does not give up his right. But what is, that means that there is a, there's the opposite end. There could still be something eaten in an undignified manner, not eaten as a part of a meal, but it is of enough value, cumulatively, that it's enough value that perhaps already, yes, in this case, the laws of uh, the partaking of the Nixon Malug has started, and he loses his right to claim inv- uh, to claim his expenses. What is that considered? So lo achleder kavod mai. So amar ulap liki bat tramuroi marovin. Eretz Yisrael is two amaroim argue the the, fa- the matter. Chad says be iser. It's the value of an iser, and Chad amar be dinar. It's the value of a dinar. So that is the, uh, the 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 limit of what we consider to be a a, a non consequential type of eating. If it's even eaten in an undignified way, but it's already worth a dinar, it's already worth an isar, that's considered like having a dignified meal already. The amount already <coughs> substantiates the, her claim that you took part of my nixim look, you don't have a right anymore to claim the uh, expenses. Now just to uh, clarify this a little bit, the way I understand this is like this. This is only a problem because he's getting divorced. If he's not getting divorced, then the way it would work is that the husband harvests the field and part of the payros that he gets from it, he obviously would use it towards the expenses, meaning that it would be an ongoing thing. So the husband never got divorced, there would not be a shiloh. The issue right now is, is that he gets, he prepares the field, he gets ready for the, 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 the planting season, and then the crops haven't come out, and he divorces her, and he's got all his expenses that have not been recouped through the payrolls yet. Now he has an issue, now he's got a, now, now there's a problem. That's why it's an issue. It's not when he gets divorced. If he's not getting divorced, this is not a shiloh, because obviously, the way it'll work is he, he reinvests the uh, payrolls. That's what he would normally do. That's what you expect the person to do. Right? And if you see that they're not going to be, the benefits are not worth it, then obviously in such a scenario, you wouldn't make the investment. All right, let's go right it. Says it more like this. Now, Amri Daini de Pumpadisa, that the uh, judges of Pumpadisa said that Avad Rabbi Yehuda Uvda with chavilei moros. Now, chavilei moros are bundles of twigs. All right. Now, what he did, he had fields that belonged to the the, the wife, and he took bundles of figs, which uh, of, of, of of twigs, which are not edible for human consumption. He fed them to the animals, which is the norm. That's what animals eat. So the question is, that was the only benefit that the person had had from the field. Is that considered to be? A benefit that therefore he loses his right of claiming uh, the expenses for the Nixim Aluk. So when it says that uh, Rabbi Yehuda Paskin the Halacha Lamaisa in the case of Achilles Moros that he said that this is normal usage and consumption of the field and therefore 
the husband has now lost his right to claim expenses when he divorces her. Now, Rav Yudah Lutameh, says the that actually fits Lashitoso. Rav Yudah follows his own reasoning. There is a halacha, the Gemara discusses in Baba Basra, that if a person goes into someone else's field, so there's a thing like a squatter, so you have a right to kick the person out unless he can prove, he shows proof that he has documentation, he has a right to go. So you go on a trip, a business trip to China, you come back, there's somebody living in your house, you kick the guy out. The halacha is, what if the person's been there three years and no one has said anything? So then there's a din of chazaka, he can claim, I lost it. Because three years, it's already, you could say after three years, he lost it. Before three years, he cannot, uh, he cannot say it. But it has to be that the person is using it in the fashion, in the normal way of how that is supposed to be used. Because if you're not using it in the normal way, in the normal fashion, you don't have a right of claiming that I've taken chazaka. We're going to see that the opinion of Rav Yehuda is like this, is that in years where the trees are, the trees in the field are orla. Orla is the first three years, no one's allowed to benefit from it. Or in Shvias, it's open to everybody, all right? Or uh, Kilayim, which is the... Um, a, 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 the, the a grain and, 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 and uh, wheat are mixed together, become Osir Bahano. So the Chorah, what do you, how do you show normal usage in these situations? So he says that if you take from the, the, the vines of them and you feed them to your animal, which is allowed in those type of scenarios, that's considered normal usage. So Tishlishitoso, the same way as he considers feeding the animal normal usage to therefore relinquish the right of claiming the, inv- in, in the uh, expenses, he considers it normal usage to create the three years of Chazaka in this way as well. So let's see. So it says like this: Yehuda letamei, the Amr of Yehuda, achla orla. If the person fed the the the, the, the twigs of or, uh, from the tree of orla, or shvius, or it was a shmitah year, and he fed him the, the from the zmoros from the twigs. Right, so even though you're not allowed to get in the shvias, you're not allowed to you're, past a certain point. You're not allowed to get benefit from the payrolls either. But he didn't use the payrolls; he used the twigs. And the, all right, the kalayim again. You know that the iser is the actual payri, not the twigs. Harezu chazok. You can create a chazoka from that scenario as well. Now, the Gemara is going to now bring out an interesting scenario, uh, interesting halacha. The din is, again, we've discussed this many times, that Minat Torah is biti nosati le'isha zeh, a father has a right midaraisa to, uh, to, to, uh, um, marry off his daughter and it's binding, you need a get, she's an isha sish, etc. Midrabonan, if there is no father in the picture, or the father, she already had nasuin, so he lost his rights, Midrabonan, the mother and the brother can marry her off, except that since it's only a condition to Rabbonon, there is a right of miyun. That's a right of refusal, which says, before she becomes Vas uh, Mitzvah, and she walks away. Now, the, the, uh, the, 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 what the Gemara says that he's going to explain that the Chachamim were concerned in a situation where the husband does not know what's going to happen with this marriage. The way it's up to him, and he do, it's, it, he can divorce her, not divorce her, and if she predeceases, he inherits her land. So it's in his best interest to ensure 
that the land is taken care of. But if he doesn't know what the status of this marriage is going to be, because she could pick up at any point and say, she, they were concerned, he's going to deplete the asset completely. He's going to not take care of it in the way that he should. He's going to see what as much he can get out of it, because he doesn't know tomorrow... So they wanted to help and, and put into play in this particular way uh, something that would protect the girl with her asset, uh, staying within the realm that he's allowed to use Nixim Alug, but in a way that it's not going to deplete the actual asset. So what did they do? So let's see. So I'm Rabbi Yaakov, I'm Rabbi Chista. Hamotzi Hotzos al Nixa Ishto Ketano. If somebody spends money to uh, invest in the Nechosim, the Nechosim Alug, of a girl that's a Ketana, in a Kedushin de Rabbonah, and that's the key, the point over here, Kemotzi al Nechosim Acher. We view it as if he goes and spends money to help, like it's a guy who goes and starts working on somebody else's Nechosim, which means that, uh, no, Shalobershus, Shalobershus, but, but, but because, but he's covered now at least, at least it's in his best interest, he put money into it, you get to have the payers. In the worst case scenario, where she does Miyun, if she, only if she does Miyun, if you divorce her then forget, but if she does Miyun, you at least recoup your expenses. So in such a case, the person is not, is not. So therefore, Kemotzi al is like you spend money, Achadami, therefore my time, and what's the reason? Because Abdu Barabona Takanta Ki Eich that the Chachamim put something in place, they made an enactment in order that there should, she should not end up having lose, losing by the depletion of the land. Because here it comes out, if he puts money into to it, and that's and he eats the payros. He's not going to be gun-shy here. He's not going to be afraid to go ahead and invest, because in the very least, if she walks away, he reclaims, recoups his expenses. Viter. Ha'hi etesor. What's, what's wrong? But let's say he decides that the field of trees, he decides to cut them all down. Again, it's, it has to be the normal usage of something. It can't deplete the acid. It has to be the normal usage of the acid. Right, right? So if he does something that's not the normal... Then he's the violated, then he, she has an exuva, he owes her that money. I mean, it's not an exuva, whatever, they have the, they've written down whatever the, uh, as he's, he owes that money. Can't use it in a way it can't be used. There was a certain woman, the case over here was that this woman got an inheritance of 400 zuz. Okay? So now, what happens when money falls into uh, marriage, the husband has the right to take that money invested in land, and get the payros. But this guy wasn't such a good businessman. He traveled to Bechuzoi. His travel expenses were 600 zuz. He didn't realize that it's going to cost uh, so much. So he travels there. Azil Gavra, her husband, went. He spent 600 zuz just retrieving that 400 zuz. But I see, and he brought him back. Arbi Mel, the 400. But how did the Kaasi, along the way, what happened was, I don't know, let's say there was a toll. <coughs> he's got no money left. He spent all his money. It's a toll. So the, the most, he can, he's got the 400 zoos. So he takes one zoos out of the 400 zoos, and he pays the toll. All right? So he needed to use one of the zoos. So he took it from the 400, because he never had any cash left on hand. So now the matter came before the uh, before Rav Ami. So I guess what ended up happening is he divorced her, and now so he divorced her. So he wants expenditures paid 
for what he expended. Travel right? Travel expenses. All right? So, I'm a lay. So, uh, so, Rav Ami said, one second, the fact that you used one zuz, that's considered that the din of the Mishnah kicks in. Masha hotzi hotzi or masha achal achal. So, therefore, to bad. That one zuz cost you 600. All right? So Amrulay Rabbon Rav Ami. Rabbonat Ravami Rebbe, we don't know that that's necessarily the correct ruling. Now let's explain why. I'm going to say it outside and say it inside. When is the din of Masha Achal Achal Masha Hotzi Hotzi is when you benefited from something you have a right to benefit, which was the payros of the Nixamalug. You have the field which the Karen belongs to her. You come and you get the benefit of the payros. You don't have to pay back the payros, it's yours. You benefit the payros. How much money you invested doesn't make matter anymore. In this case, the 400 zoos that he was bringing, all 400 zoos, is the Karen. When he took that one zuz, he's not taking it betoras peiros nixamalug. It's from the Karen. He owes her back. When he gets back to town, he's going to have to put that one zuz back. Because he really doesn't have a right to use that one zuz. That's the pleading on the principle. That's not a right. So therefore, he borrowed it from her. It's not considered that he used it. And therefore, the 400 is really intact. And comes out, he really didn't benefit. There was no payrus of the Nixemalug. Since there was no payrus of the Nixemalug, he has a right to claim that therefore I, I, I should get my expenses back. Alright, exactly if he's gonna get the 600 back up to 400, I don't know. But that's, the point is that, that, that it's not a case of Masha Achal Achal and Masha Hotzi Hotzi. Yeah, you don't, you, you don't understand why? why? No, what's the Havamina? Right, right. So why is it like this? She so says the Gemara, so, Amrulay Rabban and the Ravami, he didn't understand the case com- completely. He misunderstood the case. So, therefore, the Ravami said to Ravami, Hani Mili, That's only if they was eating the payros. Means if he invested that money to get additional benefits, and he benefited from the additional benefits, then talk. But that's not what happened over there. He was consuming the Karen, the principal, and he owes back that one Zuz. It's not payros. So therefore, and uh, uh, saw he. So therefore, all you have over here is uh, a uh, expenses, and you don't have any, having benefited from there. So M. Keynes, he said, well, if that's the case. So then Havelay Hotzi Velo Achal. Then it's the last case of the Mishnah, and Ma and Yeshava Kama Hotzi and Vayitol, and then he has a right to collect his Hotzaa. Now the. Uh, the the, the 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 bottom line is uh, the bottom line. So it's a big, a big swing in what the psak was. The first psak was that he loses all his money. Here he has a right to collect. You have to hear exactly why he has a right to collect six hundred. I mean that's bad that bad bad business. You know I don't. Know, but again that will what he collects it, but he can collect something. Yeshava kamahotzi veyitol. All right, vaiter. Amarav Asi. Now this is going back on the din of the Mishnah. The din of the Mishnah is where there's not where there was no payros benefited. You can collect your hotzah. He made a statement. He said that there is a that the the benefit corresponds to the expenditure. Now it's not clear. They're going to see there's two ways to understand what Rav Asi, Rav Asi made a statement and it wasn't clear to us what he was trying to say. So I'm going to give you both stadim and then we'll see it in the Gemara. The one side he's saying means as follows. Is that we require the husband says listen I made expenditures I never took made benefits I want my expenditures back. It says that the only time he has to make an oath 
He has to make an oath if what he's claiming is cannibalizing the entire profit or benefit of the field, where the, where, where the hotzah is equal to the sheva. So therefore, if let's say this field was now was, was, was worth $10,000 when he got it, and now because of, of his investment it's worth $11,000, and he claims he put in $1,000, which means really when he all said and done, what he takes away, there's going to be no profit, that's where he has to swear. But let's say the field went up in value $1,000. He's claiming my expenses, expenses were $400. So in such a case, he does not have to make the oath. That's one way of understanding. It's only with a shevach, he neged, but there, since he's leaving, there's still benefit to be had. We don't. It's only when all of the benefit will be cannibalized by the expenses that he's getting paid. That's where we require an oath. That is one way of understanding. All right? The other way of understanding, and that's actually to the benefit of the man. Right? The man, because he doesn't always have to take an oath. It's only you have to take an oath if what you're asking is equal to the, uh, is, oh, is equal or more than the, right, right. Now, the other way of understanding the statement is actually told us the Isha. What it means is like this, is that, that this goes, would fit very good in the case we just said before, is that even when a man is collecting hotsa'o, he can only do it, it's capped at the value of what the shevach. It cannot be worth more. He, can, he does not have a right to claim more hotsa'ah than the shevach of what he invested in. The, the improvements, right. So therefore, it comes out. So therefore, if the improvement went up $1,000, you want to claim expenses, your expenses will be capped at $1,000. What's that? No, no, that's not, that's not a question of swearing. Swearing, he always has to swear. We're not giving, it's not, that they're saying there's no, he always has to swear, but his collection, this is the benefit of the Isha, he's going to be capped. That's too, so. Are we still, we don't have to swear when we claim less than No, no. The net, according to this, you always will swear against the question, that's, that's the second, second way of understanding. At the, to, at the value of the improvements, right. So that's the two ways of understanding. So let's see. What exactly is the halacha that Rav Asi was coming to teach? So Amur Abayah. So Abayah is teaching us that if the improvements were more than the expenditures, that's understanding number one. That basically means you only have to make an oath if the expenses are equal to the profit or more. But if it's less, you don't. Amalei Rava, Rava said, Imkain Asila Rume, you're going to create underhandedness. People are going to cheat because they know that in order to, because the idea here is people don't want to take an oath. Even a Ghanav doesn't want to take an oath. An oath like you're messing with Hashem, you know, you don't want to. So therefore, the guy is always going to make a claim one dollar less than the expenses in order to avoid swearing. So therefore, we don't want to give that as an option. That can't be what Ravasi was saying. So therefore, Ella Amar Rava, really what Rava says, that what Rava says, Im hoisa hotsa yaseira ala shevach, anglo ella hotsa shir shevach. That's understanding number two. That if, even if his expenses were more than the profit, he's capped. At the at, at the at the at the at what the amount of the improvements was, and it's always b'shvur. Now there's no letting off b'shvur like the first lotion. So that's the machlokus of understanding. Iboyluhu, the bnei yeshiva had the following shaila. This is an interesting question over here. 
Again, it, it's, it's nothing to do, but this is a question of the understanding of the Mishnah. The Mishnah said that, that, that if he spent a little and he got a lot, or spent a lot, got a little, it doesn't matter. If he never ate, he has a right to collect. The question is, how much does he have a right to collect? It's nothing to do with touching the Karen. He didn't touch the Karen. The question is, but still she has to pay him for the Hotzah. So then we're going Question is like this. This man, uh, what he subcontracted. Okay, he gets property. He's been benefiting from the property. He wants to elevate, uh, uh, the, the value of the property. So he goes out and he hires a, a sharecropper. Now, the way the sharecropper works normally is after the harvest, you take, you sit down, you figure out how much profit came in, and a percentage of the profit goes to the sharecropper. So they come in, they work the field, he gets into a fight with his wife, and he divorces her. Okay. Now, the harvest hasn't come in. The profits haven't come in. He has no rights to them anymore. Because the point is, he was benefiting from the field before. Shemasha hotzi hotzi, masha achal achal, done. The Sharecroppers, though, they want their percentage of the profit. So what is the din? There's two ways to look at this. One way to look at it is that the bottom line is the sharecroppers are agents of the husband. So therefore, agents of the husband, they partake in the, the percentage of what he is allowed to have. Since in this case, then that's a chance they take when you sign up with a husband there's a chance they take zero they get zero they can't even go after him because he has nothing he doesn't get anything for it that's one way of looking at it or the other way of looking at it at the end of the day this is a field that needed work this is a field that needed work meaning the wife needs the field to get work so in, in the very least so they should not, they're considered working for the field, so therefore the wife should owe them. They, uh, we'll talk about expenses, but it, right now we're talking even, they like working for her, so she should have to pay them as a sharecropper. And it's not Shalom Bershus, it's even Bershus, because that's something she wants. Shalom right, right. The husband went and he brought sharecroppers to work instead of him. Mahu. Adai to the Balnachas, do we say they're agents of the husband, they're coming based on him? Now, once the husband is removed from the property, that removes them and they get nothing. They're coming down to work for the land. They're benefiting the land. And therefore the land is there for the Arisim to be working. Since it's there for the Arisim to be working, it's as if they're working for the land, i.e. the owner of the land. Owner of the land is the Isha. The Isha should have to pay them whatever the deal of an Aris is. The owner's cut, the husband because it's for sure no more. gets nothing because he doesn't get He's lying. He's and out of the picture. Right. So, Maskivla Rava Barav Nosen. Rava Nosen asks like this. He says, forget about even if you hold that they should not get benefits of an oris because that's coming as agents of the husband. But what about that halacha that we've had in the past that I started is that even if you go down shalober shus, you at least have a right to claim your expenses. So why should they be any worse? Let them at least get there. So when it's like this, so lechora maskular avarochan and maishno miayore lesochzarechaveiro benata. Even if it's shalober shus, shaman low, we evaluate the expenses versus the uh, improvements. V'yadalatachton, he gets the lower of the two, but he still gets, at least he gets the lower of the two up to the value of whatever's the lower. If it's the improvements or it's his expenses, he has a right to collect. So why shouldn't they at least have that right to collect? So says the Gemara like this. I'll tell you the difference because the woman's taina is as follows. Listen to this taina. The woman's taina is like this. In a case where 
it's Shalom Bershus. Yorazar's Shalom Bershus. There is a field. Nobody's been hired to take care of the field. They come in and they work the field. So therefore, the, the person coming work, say, listen, you would have hired somebody anyway to work the field. Therefore, in the very least, pay me my expenses. That's the time of your Shalom Here, the woman says, you know what? There is a person who's responsible to take care of the field. Who's the person that's responsible to take care of the field? The husband's saying, why should I pay them for the job? That the husband is supposed to do. So therefore, this is worse than a case of Yorichilobishus. This would be like a case where I already hired and paid a worker to come in and somebody snuck in and did the job. I don't have to pay that. I, have, I paid a guy already to do the job. So therefore, her time is, I don't have to pay you like a Yorichilobishus because the husband is supposed to take care of it. So when it says like this, but, what? But hacha over here ikabal the tarach. There's the husband that you're putting in the, putting in the effort. So my havelah, what's the bottom line? What's the din? So one says like this, very interesting ruling. I'm Rav Yeshua, we have to evaluate, we have to see. If the husband has the qualifications, he has the skills that he could have done it himself, so then, once she removes the husband, once the husband is removed from the property, then they're removed as well. Because then, because her taina is a valid taina. Because she has the right to say, my husband should have done it. And he could have done it. He had the skills. But now, what happens? But if the husband, the guy does not know anything about farming, okay? So therefore, in such a case, the understanding would have been that he had, in order for it to get done, he would have had to bring anyone. So she can't say he should have done it because he can't do it. So in such a case, so then then the land is being, is, is, is the purpose of the land is for Arisim to come in and do it. And therefore, they should collect at, like, like you'd pay regular Arisim. No, 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 no. No. So that's, that's interesting of this because that, the, 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 the machlokus over here is whether it's going to be just as arisim, like regular arisim, like they get the percentage, or it's an arishalobishus. It's mashma from the Gemara. It says that, therefore, aralakayim, uh, to be worked kaima, was the tzad of the other opinion, means it's not shalobishus, it's bershus, because the expectation was that there's going to be a, so they should have a right, not just to collect their expenses, or the lower of the two, they should have a right to have the profit sharing that the agreement of what an aris should be. Let's go on. One thing that the field stood ready to be uh, farmed. That she wasn't farmed. People farmers all the time decide I'm going to let this field lay fallow. Again, working within the normal systems, what has to happen? Whatever the norm is, we're not talking about doing anything different than if that's a field that shouldn't have been worked, then it shouldn't have been worked. If it's a field that should be, it's all within the norm. Ibayilahu, the Bnei Yeshiva had the following Shiloh. Now, very interesting question: What happens? The husband says like this. The husband says, "Listen, I have a right to my wife's." Uh, the payers of the Nixemelug. Okay? I don't like fruit so much. Alright? So what I'm gonna do is my next door neighbor, he loves fruit, or he loves produce. I'm going to sell him my rights in the produce. Means I'll collect, he'll give me money, whether it's monthly, whatever it is, but I'm selling my rights. The question is, is that within the jurisdiction of the husband to do? Let's see. Why, why, why not? He sold the land for the payros. Not the, the land she owns, but he sold his rights in the payros, his usufructory rights. They put a money to it, a value to it, and he sold it. Ma, what's that? Do we say that which he acquired, he can sell? And since the, the, the Chachamim gave him the right of the payros, he has a right to sell it, like any asset. 
Oi Dilma, or perhaps Kita Kinale Rabbanan Peros, when did the Chachamim say that the Baal is allowed to have the Peros and Nixamilug? It's Mishum Revach Beso. It's because at the end of the day, let's say, if, let's just say, if there is a, it's an apple orchard. So if he has the rights to apples, he's going to go out, he's going to bring the apples. Where does he bring the apples? He brings it into the house. Brings it into the house. She benefits from it too. The reason why the Chachamim allowed him the payers next to him, look, because the understanding was, by letting him have it, she benefits as well. But in this case, what he's done, he circumvented that because he wants to sell it to someone else when she doesn't have any uh, secondary benefits from it. He's Maybe that... Cash. What's he's that? getting cash. He's okay, we'll talk, about, we'll talk about that in a moment. But the point is, maybe he does not have the right. Where there's no Revach Besa from the Peiros Nixnamalug, he does not have a right to go ahead and sell it. So therefore, Mishum Revach Besa, so therefore, Aval but to give him the rights to go ahead and sell it, they didn't give him the rights. So Gemara now brings down a machloikas. Yehuda bar Mareimar mishum de Rava Amar. So Yehuda bar Mareimar claims that Rava's position was Masha Asa Asui. What was done was done. Means he has the capacity to sell his rights to the Beiros Nechsem Rav Papa Amar mishmei de Rava lo Asa Klum. And it makes no, that what he's done is that no impact at all. It's a, the, the sale is voided. Alright? Now, they both saying it Mishmei the Rav. I think the Bach changed the gift to Rav Papi. But anyway, it's Mishmei. They both say Mishmei the Rav. Uh, so, I'm a Rav Papa with an Aleph. Had the Yehuda Bar Meremar, that Yehuda Bar Meremar, that Yehuda Bar Meremar who said that Masha Asa Asa, that it's a valid sale, he said the Emma says, La Beferish Itmar. El Mechlala Itmar. He didn't hear Rav say it exactly. He implied that that's what Rav holds from something that happened. But we're going to see that it's a misunderstanding. So therefore, so, Rab, uh, the, so Yehuda Bar Meremar said that Rav said the sale is a valid sale. Comes on, Rav said that Rav never said that. He, Yehuda Bar Meremar, it was implicit in something that Rav did. But I'm going to show he made a mistake in the understanding. What happened over there? Interesting story. A woman, part of the Nixemelug, she brought in two maid servants. So now, part of the Nixemelug means the husband has the right to use these two maid servants. That's considered the payros of the Nixemelug. What ended up happening, this husband, didn't seem like the nicest fellow in the world, went and married a second wife, and he assigned one of the maids to help the second wife. All right, just starting up over here. So Azal Gavra Nasiv Itasachrisi went and married a second wife. For Ayalloch Adaminai, and he gave that second wife usage of that maid. So now Asel Kameid the Rava. So they, they, the, the first wife came and had tainus the Rava. Now this seems to be very similar to our case. You're using your use of fruit rights, and you're trying to give it to someone else. You want to benefit by giving it to someone else. So the law as law as Rava did not pay attention to her claim. Means Rava seemed to say that Masha also also that it is a valid transaction. So Man the now the person standing there and sees this, what does he take away? Masha also which is what Rav Yehuda Bar Meremar said. Therefore, if he would have sold it to the next neighbor, same thing. Savar Mishum the Savar Masha Asa Asa Belayi, but that's a mistake. Why Mishum Revach Beisa? Because the idea of letting him use the payros Nixlug is Revach Beisa. So even if this maid is servicing the second wife, but at the end of the day, the entire household still ends up benefiting. The bottom line, she still she makes dinner for all of them. She, there's still a secondary benefit that is benefited on by from the first wife from the usage. She just upset. She doesn't want the second wife getting any benefit, but that. 
that he doesn't have a right to say. As long as it's Revach Beisa, and therefore Vahaka Ravach, and the household does benefit from it. There is benefits, it's like payros, that everybody gets to use. And therefore, says, <coughs> says Rapapa, that was a misunderstanding on what, what was implied from Rav's ruling. What's the halacha? Taka, that is the aloha. That if there, if, if the, the husband sells his use of fructary rights, it's got, he can't do it. He does not have a right. He's a right to use it. He does not have a right to sell it. My time, what's the reason? We have machlokas here, two reasons, two different reasons. Abaya Amar Chashinan Shema Tachsif. He says, we're afraid. The husband using the land, there is a fail safe. He's gonna do what he can not to deplete the land. Why? Because if the wife predeceases him, he gets it. So he's not gonna to want to ruin a land, a property that he can, but the neighbor, the neighbor knows I only have a short temporary time to use this land. Because what happens is, if there's gonna be a divorce, or there's going to be something that terminates the marriage, I gotta give this back. So he's going to use it in, as, and to remove as much as he can from it, and therefore the Chachamim said that would be a misuse of your usufructory rights, because the woman's gonna lose, the land is gonna devalue. That's why we don't allow it. Chashen and Shemataksif. That's a buyer. Rava says, no, Rava goes the reason he said before, because Mishum Revach Beisa. The whole idea of Yusufrukti writes is Revach Beisa. And therefore, when you sell it to someone else, there is no Revach Beisa. Therefore, so it's two different swaras of why it's not, it's voided. One is because we're worried about depletion of the asset, the other one because there's no Revach Beisa. What's the difference between the two swaras? So, the difference is like this. Let's say the property is next to the city. Next to the city means that when you sell it to your next door neighbor and it's right next to the city, then he's afraid to deplete the asset because there's supervision. People, she sees it, it's easily supervised. So it's easily supervised if you hold the svara is because a mix of, uh, that's going to go uh, deplete. We're not worried about that over here, the depreciation of the property, because he's not going to do something that people can see he's doing that is not appropriate. He's not going to use it in yours, you're not supposed to use it, whatever. Right. Now, but according to Rava, that the reason is because of Revach Beisa, the fact that the property is next to it, that doesn't help you for Revach Beisa. It still would not be a valid sale, according to Rava. According to a buyer, you could argue that it might be. Inami, another answer is that where the Baal is the Arisu. Sometimes when you, you make a deal, the person with the expertise comes along with the deal. So let's say your, the husband sold the property to the next door neighbor. The next door neighbor says, I'll buy it, but what do I know from farming? He says, I will be, I will be the manager. I'll manage the asset for you. I'll come in and be the share crop. I'll deal with it. So in such a circumstance, the problem because of Ixerv that's gonna go, it's not a problem because the husband who is, wants to maintain the value of, he's gonna, he's there all the time. He's gonna make sure it's not gonna be depleted. But Revach Beiso, still a problem of Revach Beiso. Right? Inami, a third way of understanding what could be a difference between Rav and Abaya. This goes back to what Arya said before. That he's not using the money for himself. He's using the money to invest it for benefits for the house. So in such a case, there is Revach Beza. It's true, there's no Revach Beza directly from the payrolls, but indirectly the money he gets from the payrolls, he's using for the household, so there's Revach Beza. So it takes care of the problem of Revach Beza. What it doesn't take care of is the problem of Abaya, of Ixif. There's still the neighbors might not care too much of the way he uses the property. So that would, according to Abaya, would not be a good sale. According to Rava, it would be a good sale. Now, what happens if... Let's just add, we, we got a little time. Okay. Uh, it's like this. That uh, the, the, this is a Mishnah, it follows the other Mishnah we had before. You'll see there's got some similarities to it, but it's really a condensing of a Mishnah we had in Yavomus. 
There is a situation when a woman's husband dies without children, she falls to Yibum to the brother. Now, that period of time when there's a Zika, there's a bond, is really unclear what her status is. On one hand, she's considered like she's partially married to... The second brother is like, there's a Zika there. She's not allowed to marry anyone else. On the other hand, she's not really married to him. So that status is like a, uh, a, a unclear status of when, before the Yibum has happened. What is the status? So, says the Mishnah like this. The Mishnah says, Shomeris Yavim Nechosim. So we had this before by a regular woman. We had an Arusa. When a woman is an Arusa, and the Chosim fall to her during the time of Erosim before Nisun. We had a Machlokas Beishamai Beishila. Beishamai said, Lechatchila, she can sell those assets without any issues. Beishamai Beishila said no. So, but here we're not talking about an Arusa. Here we're talking about a Shomeris Yavim, that somebody dies, uh, a grandfather dies, leaves her in uh, Yerusha. Is she allowed lechatchila to sell that because she can claim? Listen, Nesuin hasn't happened. I'm still not married to this guy. He might do chalitza. Who who knows what's going to end up happening? Or do we say no? It's like an, uh, uh, so. Now here everybody agrees. Beishamai Basila both agree. Mod beishamai beishila shomacheres venosenes. She can sell it and gift it the kayam and it's valid. There's no problems. Now, what happens though? What happens if she dies? While she's a Shomeris Yovim. Now we have a machlok, we have a, we have a dispute between, she dies. We have a dispute between the Yarshim of the woman, let's say her father's family, alright, who inherit her generally, and the, the brother's family. The brother's family is, would be if the, if the husband inherits the wife. The question is, who inherits this woman over here? Now, there's three different areas of discussion here. One is the actual ksuva. The ksuva could be manamasayim, the 100, the 200, and, the, uh, and whatever additional amount that the husband gave. Now, just bear in mind, which is very important to, say, to, uh, to reiterate, is that when a person does yibum, the ksuva from the first husband follows her to the second husband. It means whatever assets that were there and were on, were, where there was a lien on to pay her ksuva from the first husband, when he dies, that, that's what's inherited by the second husband. He doesn't have to write his own ksuva. He just keeps the ksuva... Right, of, 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 of what the first husband had, and the lien on those properties will be, she gets, again, he doesn't have to pay anything out of pocket to pay her ksuva. That's the din in terms of when there is a, uh, now, that, if he does the yibum. If he does the yibum. Now, if he does chalitza, then she just gets paid out the ksuva right away. Here, neither, neither yibum nor chalitza happen because she died. So, the question over here is, what happens? So, the Manamasayim, that's going to be one area of discussion. The 100 or 200, or it could be more, if he wrote in more, depending on what he wrote in. The second area of discussion is called, is the Nechzeitzon Barzel. That's the Nadunya. That's the money that she brought and wrote in, the assets that she brought in the Ksuva, that the husband, does, uh, the, uh, he has a right to deplete it, but it, when, the term, when the marriage terminates, he has to pay back every dollar that it was evaluated at. That's the second area of discussion. What happens to the Nuxet Tzon Barzal that are also written into the Ksuva? And the third area, which is not written in Ksuva, is the, what, the area of the Nuxet Malug. The Nuxet Malug, what is the status of that when she dies? Now, under normal circumstances, had the man be completely married to the woman, 
So then he would inherit everything, right? And so, but that's, we don't know what the status over here is. So now let's see. So, Tomeret Yom Shonafulullah Nechosim. Modim Be Shama Be Silel. No, no, sorry. Mesa, where she died. What do they do with the Iker Ksuva? That's the 100, 200, and the Tosefes. And in the word Ksuva, here it also refers to the Tzon Barzel, because it's also written into the actual Ksuva as well. And also with the properties that she brings in, that's not written into the Ksuva, which we know as... Love. Next time I look. The next time I look. What happens with that? So here we have as follows. This is the way the Gemara Rashi brings down the Gemara explains in Yevomus. Beishamai Omrim only on the Nixim Alug. They're talking about specifically the Nixim Alug. Rashi says doesn't sound like it, but that's the way the Gemara in Yevomus explains it. That concerning the Nixim Alug, Yachloku. Rashi's gear says Yachloku Yorsha Bal Im Yorsha Am. That since there's a suffix about what to do with it, then you divide it. You divide it up because according to them, the, uh, the, there's an equal power. According to Beishamai, there's an equal power in the Schus of the Yavam in these Nechasim as there was to the Yavama and therefore it's divided 50-50 the Nechsei Melug. Now, what about the Nechsei, uh, what about the Ksuba and the Nechsei Tzom Barzel? That, that they don't disagree. They'll agree with Beis Hillel on that. Now, Beis Hillel Omrim, they say Nechasim Becheskasan. Now, what does it mean, Nechasim Becheskasan? Again, this is the way the Yavamas means Nechasim is referring to Nechasim Barzal. Nechasim Barzal stays with the Muxak. Whoever is considered the Muxak on the Nechasim Barzal keeps it. Now, the Gemara Babasra brings down as a Machlokas, Amarayim, who is considered Muxakin on it? Because on one hand, uh, on one hand, do we say that, uh, that, the, that the original Chazak, for sure who owned it originally, was the woman's side of the family. On the other hand, is that it, once she had got married, it already transferred to the husband's side of the family. So therefore, even though they said ghost, whoever has the Chazaka, there's a Machlokas who they're referring to. Next. The Ksuva, here it's talking about the Mona Masayim or the Tosefas was added. It remains Becheskas Yorshe Habal. It's in the Chazaka of the Yorshe Habal. Why? Because that's property that she hadn't collected on. She might have had a lien on it, but it is with the father's side of the family. And therefore, they're considered Muxakim in them. They're the ones of, in possession. They're the ones who have a right to that. And Beis Shammai agree with Beis on this too. What about the Nechasim and Nechnasin Vayotzin Imo? That means the Nechasim Alug. Berchezkas Yorshea Av. Because again, the actual asset, there's no question the ownership of that actual asset belonged to the woman and her side of the family. The husband's rights were only usufructory rights. Therefore, that goes to the Av. Let's go on. And then the Nechasim and Barthes says with the that was a machlokas because they said bechaskasan, and I told you bechaskasan was, was a question of what it meant. Now the Mishnah uh, says, What happens like this is the first brother that died left cash. All right. Now the, the Gemara in Yavamas explains that this Tana holds that not only is land meshubah to her ksuva, but metaltalin cash is also meshubah to her ksuva. There's a machloka. Some say the only thing that becomes meshubah to the ksuva is karka. But this time it happens all that cash becomes meshubah to the ksuva as well. So heinich achiv maos, if the brother left, the, the dead brother left cash, okay, 
So then, Yelakach ben Karkov hu ochel peiros. Since he cannot, he cannot just go out and spend it on himself because there's a, it's meshubed to the original ksuva, but it, lemaisa, it's only a shibud. So he, as long as he protects the asset itself, he can benefit from it. So what's the best way to do that? Buy land, and he's nanef on the land, and the land is meshubed until the ksuva is paid off at some point in time. Now, peiros. Hatlushim in Akarka. This gets back to the last Mishnah we had. What happens if he left payrolls that had already been cut down, harvested, alright? So therefore, it's the same thing as cash. Because the bottom line is, even though it's metalsalin already, but it's according to this town, it's meshubah to the ksuva. So yilakaba and karkavu achel payrolls. Sell it, buy land, and again, eat payrolls. Now, Hamuchubarin bekarka. If they're connected to the ground, now this ruling doesn't make any sense. Then we're going to have to explain it. Amarav Meir. Uh, so now, like this. Well, let, 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 not this one. We'll get, get to it in a moment. Um, uh, that Mechubarin uh, bekarka. If it's connected to the land. Now remember, Rav Meir held that anything that's connected to the land is considered belonging to the earlier person. Whatever grows more, is, 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 we, we, we view it based on what, it, at the stage of when it's connected. We had that before by the case of the uh, man who divorces the wife and there's still land connected, uh, uh, so he says like this, I'm a Rabbi Mayer. He says that anything that grew while the live person was still, before the dead person, when he was still alive, is considered to have been in his chazaka, and therefore, if it was in his chazaka, it's meshubed to the ksuva, because all anything that he had was meshubed to the ksuva. Shaman, uh, but anything that'll grow now is no longer in the in the in the land in the in the that's going now on the cheshbon of the second brother, and therefore it should not be meshubed to the ksuva. So shaman osam. So how do you calculate it? Evaluate, get the appraisers to evaluate the property. Kamahen yafin bepeiros. What is the land worth with the fruit that's attached to it right now? And yafin below peiros. Then and then amosa. The difference between the two is the value of the fruit the way it is right now. Take the money after you sell it by karka, and it's meshubah to the ksuba, and he can eat the peiros. And therefore, yalakam and karka will ochel peiros. That's according to Rabmeir Lishitoso. Chachamim Omrim, that peiros are mechubarim bekarka, that land that is, uh, that is connected to the ground is meshubah to the ksuba, uh, uh, that, that, um, bekarka, shalom. And therefore, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and therefore, it's considered to be uh, Shalom. Now, the one is going to say the Shalom doesn't make sense. Why should it be Shalom? It should say Shalom. That's the one is going to ask. If it's Meshubit, it shouldn't say Shalom. It should say Shalom. But the one is going to ask. Now, Atlushim in Akarka, it's completely disconnected from Akarka. They hold that, that the Taltalin is not Meshubit to it. So if there was Metaltalin before the brother died, the Allah of Metaltalin is as follows. If the woman would have grabbed them when the husband was alive, yeah. so then she can make him Meshubah to the Ksuva. If she doesn't grab them, they're not Meshubah to the Karka. So therefore now you have this payroll, so that's going to be the Shail over here. Hatlushmina Karka. Kola Kodem Zachaben. Whoever got to them first was Zoha. Kodem who? If he grabbed it, after the brother died, and she hadn't grabbed it yet, then it's Zacha, because it's not Meshubit to the Ksuvi, can do what he wants with it. Kadmahi, if she, when the brother was alive, not after he died, it's too late after, if when he was, she was alive, she had grabbed it, then it did become Meshubit to Karka, so then Yelachim and Karka were Ochel Peros. Konso, what happens if he did Yibum? He, that was all time Yibum didn't happen. He did Yibum, he did full Yibum, okay? 
She's completely his wife. The only difference is that he doesn't have to pay the Ksuva himself. The Ksuva is paid out from the Nechassim of the first brother. Lo Yomala. Now, what he doesn't have a right to say, let's the father, the first brother left a million dollars worth of properties. The Ksuva is only worth $200,000. He can't say, you know what, this area will be for the Ksuva. I want to free up the other. He doesn't have a right. All million dollars until the Ksuva is under lien. So therefore, Lo Yomala, I can't say to her, Hareg Suvasach Munachas Ala Shulchan. It's an expression that your Ksuva will be here on the table. Elakol Nixach Rayin Lixuvasa. All the Nechassim are Meshuba to the Ksuva. Bechain Lo Yomar Adam, any person, Stam. Not a Yavam. Can't say to his wife, once she got married, here's Nechassim and Meshubat Aksuvah. All is Nechassim. So he can't say, because it creates a lien. It makes it encumbered. So people don't want to deal with lands that have lien on it. Can't do that. He can't say, Girsha. Let's say he divorces her. Now, interesting question. If a man normally has a Ksuva and divorces his wife, and doesn't pay her out the ksuva, and then remarries her without any stipulations. Whatever was the ksuva of the first marriage becomes a ksuva. Here we have the the, the second the the, the the live the second brother never wrote the first ksuva. The first ksuva was written by the dead husband. So now what happens if he divorces her? Okay, and then he remarries her. The question is, in such a situation, does he have to write a new ksuva, or can he rely on right. the existence? She could say, listen, that ksuva was what you would have done yibum, and whatever. but now, the bottom line, I never collected that ksuva. Now you're marrying me, you have to give me your own ksuva, therefore I need to get two ksuvas. What's our locha? Girsha. She only has one. And therefore, if he takes her back, no, so therefore, means she only gets the ksuva from the first brother. But if he took her back without paying it out, the only thing she'll get, whatever that first ksuva is, she'll get for the second marriage. She cannot get an additional ksuva. She can't say, well, now you're going to be your own ksuva. It doesn't work that way. She still, it moves forward to the second marriage if it was never paid out the first time. Gentlemen, we'll stop over here. Yeah. But she, we're saying she hasn't collected a ksuva after the first 